This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. For more stories, or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents... Testing the Dark Waters Episode 2 of Guilds of Ravnica Not all mad scientists are born into money. Some of us have to earn it. And sometimes earning it isn't pretty. As I walk through the sewers beneath the 10th district, knee-deep in sludge, I ignore the bits of solid waste bumping up against the repellent spell covering my uniform. Instead, I focus on the palatial sprawl of the Undercity. The mesmerizing domes, stately columns, and an ornate arch inset with a relief depicting the signing of the Guild Pact. It's a dangerous sort of beauty down here. And if it weren't for the noxious gases and half-million gallons of urine and liquefied excrement floating steadily downstream, I'd say it were charming. No time for gawking, I'm afraid. Kelteth bellows. And I notice I've fallen several paces behind my Golgari guide. He's the most laid-back troll I've ever met. Probably because he's constantly taking nibbles from that patch of iridescent mushrooms growing around his armpits. Eyes calm yet alert, he urges me forth. A rat's swimming in the sludge next to me. A scream wells up in my throat, but I tamp it down, not wanting Kelteth to think I'm unfit for this task. A rat's nearly the same as a lab mouse, right? Except lab mice don't have those froth-coated fangs, those menacing eyes, that mesmerizing squeak. I'm overcome with the urge to pet it right there on its furry snout. My hand reaches out, shaking just a little closer. A chunk of pitted cement flies past me and hits the rat square in the head with a sploosh. It squeals one last time, then sinks down into the filth-ridden oblivion. I shake off the all-consuming thoughts I'd had. What the- Sewer sirens. Rabbit is all get out, but they can't attack you unless you put your hand in their mouth. Best avoid them. You know, information like that would have been useful before I started the assignment. I wipe away the sewer backsplash from my lips. Ha 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 ha! If I'd gone and warned you about every little thing that could kill you in the sewers, we definitely wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I stick closer to my guide as he briefs me on the eight different varieties of flesh-eating water plants that thrive down here and gives me tips on how to avoid getting electrocuted by eels. As we continue, I notice shadows lurking in dank corners, behind pillars, under bridges, and decide that maybe knowledge isn't power. I tune out of Kelteth's lecture and start concentrating on the gear this side job will earn me. My very own ballast of arcane induction. One of those solid misium ones with the dynachromatic retaining bell and double inversion instant conversion canister? Real Izet ingenuity right there. Not like the borrowed one I'm lugging around. I'll be able to do analyst jobs like this one three times as fast, detecting and identifying mana traces with ease, which will leave me with more time to spend in the lab. 
We cut through a series of keyhole archways, making our way around a mass-covered rotunda, and finally we arrive at our destination. It's massive, and nearly as impressive as the two-story portico it's wedged against. It's a giant raft of coagulated fats and solid waste clumped together into a single mass, clogging the water's flow. Just one of the many fatbergs plaguing the sewers of the 10th district. Kelteth clasps his fingers together, puts them down at knee height, then gestures at me to take a step up. After you? Wait, you want us to actually get on that thing? I adjust the bulky canister I'm carrying on my back, trying to keep the weight evenly distributed. Well, you're not going to be able to see it properly from down here. Besides, eels will be coming out of their nests soon. They don't usually attack people, but they'll shock the ever-loving chitting out of anything when they're groggy. I don't need any more convincing, and hastily hop up onto the fatberg. Most of it looks hard like rock, though some patches look waxy, some parts have mounds oozing fatty gel, and all throughout, broken and discarded objects protrude from the berg's surface. The entire raft bobs slightly, making me nauseated, though, in all fairness, I've been pretty close to vomiting since I first stepped foot down here. See, normally we fly a couple of drakes in, vaporize the bergs, but they become impervious to electrical magic. <laughs> this one's been bombed off a dozen times. Not a scratch on her. He pats a fat protrusion lovingly. Impressive, <laughs> isn't she? She's a beauty. <clears throat> All right. <sighs> the anti-nausea spell is wearing off for sure. We'll have to make this inspection a quick one. So... I'll just look around and see if I can find any traces of what's causing this, okay? Take all the time you need, Kelteth says, settling down upon the berg. He pops a mushroom cap into his mouth, then molds a fat mound, fashioning a pillow behind him. A relaxed smile smears across his face as he leans back with both arms propped behind his head. I unholster my ballast rod and tap the misium-plated canister slung upon my back. A hum starts up, the background noise of trace amounts of mana dispersed in the air. I grip the rod and wave the receptor coils around, collecting mana remnants until the round glass bell fills with the purple crackle of electricity. The energies cancel out and the hum fades down to nothing. I'm ready to begin. I aim the ballast's copper receptor coils at the surface of the fatberg, sweeping in slow, steady strokes back and forth. The canister raises in pitch, a sharp zip sound that indicates evidence of an artifact. Dig marks in the berg show it's long gone, though, probably scavenged by Golgari reclaimers. I keep moving forward. The dreck of the sewers knows no guild divisions. One moment I'm stepping over a pummeled warthog mask from some gruel festival, and the next I'm wincing at the sunburst helmet of a Boros soldier cracked right in two. Eventually, I find another spot where the artifact once sat. From the warbling moan my ballast emits, I can tell it's a common Rakdos artifact, likely a half-burned effigy of an unfaithful lover or of an unscrupulous neighbor who'd borrowed a fire poker and forgotten to give it back. Definitely not something with enough magic to affect a whole fatberg. But then the ballast starts making an odd sizzling noise it's never made before. 
It gets louder and louder as I reach the end of the berg. I look back at Kelteth fast asleep. I should probably wake him and ask him to show me forward, but whatever's causing this sizzle is powerful, arcane, and something the Izzet League hadn't rigged my canister to recognize. That either means they hadn't discovered it yet, or they knew about it and wanted to keep it a secret. Both options are equally appealing and equally lucrative. Look, I know why I was hired for this job. Figure out what's causing the electric-proof fatbergs and report back to the Golgari so they can fix it. But here's the thing. Besides working this job in my spare time, I serve as an attendant to Master Dax Foley, a high-level chemister specializing in arcane metallurgy and practical alchemy. I'm stuck at the bottom rung in the laboratory. One of two humans among a couple dozen Vidalcan attendants, and I spend most of my day sorting cable connectors and degreasing the turbines and trapping rogue elementals siphoning energy from our lab equipment. I've got ideas, though. More ideas than can fit in my head. But so far, it seems like I'll only get to move up when someone else dies or retires. The way the other attendants are gulping down rejuvenation spells, neither of those things is going to happen in a long, long time. So, if I'm going to make a name for myself, I've got to take risks. I step into the sewer water, then follow the sizzle down several pipes, each narrower than the one before. I come to a dead end, water flowing into an old and ornate grate, rimmed with ancient code and held fast with rusty bolts that probably haven't moved since Niv-Mizzet still had his egg teeth. Turning back isn't an option, though, not when I'm so close. I release the safety clasp on my canister, and a backflow of stored raw mana slips out and swirls toward the grate. The canister drains, causing the aged metal to glow red-hot, and as it expands, the bolts shiver then pop loose into the water. Three hard tugs and the grate comes free. I set it to the side and duck in. The flickering light still caught in my glass bell casts dancing shadows upon the curved walls of the tunnel. Shiny surfaces reflect light, but there's one spot ahead that's as black as pitch, floating upon the surface of the sewer water. Threads of magic swirl around it, an ominous red with sparkles of white. A spatial rift! Too late, I noticed several eels headed toward me, weaving their way through the patch of strange plants growing around the rift. I scramble, trying to remember what Kelteth had said about avoiding electrical shocks. The water's too shallow here to dive, and there's nothing to grasp onto so I can climb out. Left without options, I hold my ballast rod out in front of me. The entire surface of the water lights up. Electricity flows into the receptors, but they're meant only for siphoning trace amounts of mana from their surroundings, not taking the full brunt of an electrical shock. The energy travels up the rod and the bell explodes into shards. The canister starts screaming bloody murder, so I unhook it and sling it as far as I can. It hits the water and seconds later, an explosion of electrical magic fills the sewer. For a long, long moment, my entire body seizes up and my world goes white. Finally, my thoughts congeal. I look around, neck stiff, skin smoldering. The rift is fine, 
and so are the plants all around it. Like nothing happened to them. Not a single leaf burnt, not a single petal scorched. Contact with the rift must have imbued them with immunity to electrical magic. The same immunity must have seeped into the fatbergs over time. I take a few plant samples shaking with the magnitude of this discovery. Never again will I be ordered to sterilize goggles or spit-shine furnace grates. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't noticed the pressure mounting within the Izzet League lately, although where it's coming from I don't know. The Ismundi have been demanding more significant discoveries and faster results, so much so that chemisters have resorted to running experiments day and night for fear of losing their labs. <laughs> well, I've got their significant discovery right here. So I'm storming over to see Master Dax right now and demanding that he gives me the promotion I deserve. And soon after that, I'll be the one giving him orders. Turns out, the best ideas aren't formed when you've just had ten eels worth of electricity jolting through your brain. Making nonsensical ultimatums to your boss, drenched in sewer water, frizzy hair gone white at the temples, and dragging 400 Zenos worth of broken and illegally borrowed lab equipment behind you, well, that just leaves you standing at the front steps of the lightning rod, a box full of your desk belongings in your arms. I'd watched as they revoked my access spells, took the infinitum key amulets from my neck, stripped me of my gauntlets. Now, I'm just a bare-fingered stranger to the building. All the checks and credentials that separated me from demure infiltrators trying to steal our inventions, and simic biomancers looking to poach chemisters for their labs, gone. Well, Master Dax can take my job and strip me of my title, but he can't revoke my dream. So, I've started a laboratory of my own in the boiler pit that runs beneath my apartment building. It's steamy down here, and it reeks of rust and ingenuity. I've scavenged most of the lab equipment I need, erecting a pair of makeshift mana coils fashioned from misium scraps hammered thin as paper. They're holding for now, though, sending arcs of purple light nearly to the ceiling. I've baited traps for the electrical elemental I've heard flickering past in the quiet of the night. Yeah, the lab isn't much to look at, but it's coming along. All I'm really missing is one last thing. A knock comes at the door. In that box of desk belongings, I'd managed to sneak something past the Izzet guards who'd escorted me out of the building. Lab mice. Dead ones. Their little furry corpses tainted with the residuals of experimental magic. With the right coaxing, they often don't stay dead, which makes them highly valuable to Golgari reclaimers. I'd traded with a young reclaimer, six ripe mice for him to find me a blast seeker willing to wield magic creations in an unsanctioned lab for an unconscionable amount of money. I don't expect much, but anything's better than risking blowing up half a city block trying to do it all on my own. Again. I answer the door. She's even less than I expected. Slightly built and doesn't look like she could lift a spectral converter if her life depended on it. But after my own experiences of being discounted again and again, I know people can be much more than they seem. I smile. You're here for the Blast Seeker position? I'm here if you're paying. Tamsin Swaney. 
Call me Tammy and we've got a problem. Straightforward. I like her already. You've got experience? Five years working at the Crucible as a blast seeker. After that, two in the foundry. References? None that would be caught dead talking to the head of an unsanctioned lab. Fair enough. How about a practical test, then, just to see if we're compatible? We work for three hours straight, getting all the components of my experiment set up. Tamsin is meticulous. She helps me hypercharge the mysium coils, cranking the handle with a fervor I've only seen in goblins. Then she slices my rift specimens with incredible consistency. I lay them in a shallow trough of rarefied vacuole penetrance, and then watch as the rift magic separates from the cellulose. Tamsin even helps me to bolster spectral fields on the electrical orbs we'll use to administer the shocks. Finally, after we've run the serum through the centrifuge and filtered out the organic contaminants, we dispense it to the mice. We wait a full five minutes for the serum to take effect. Then, Tamsin hefts the spectral converter with ease and conjures an orb of electricity. It bobs in the air like a ball of honey-colored lightning. The mouse looks anxious with those pale pink eyes, and then Tamsin lets the orb rip. The mouse lights up like a fire elemental, so bright my goggles warm around the edges. Electricity surges with a violent force into that tiny creature, and it doesn't even twitch a whisker. It's completely impervious to the electricity. Not even a single strand of fur is scorched. This is amazing! We have to take this to the- I stopped short. We can't do anything with these results. No one's going to take this finding seriously, not without humanoid trials. And I can't conduct those without board approval. What? Nothing. <sighs> Greatest discovery of my lifetime, and I have to sit on it. I'll apply for official sanctions, of course, but that'll take months. The Golgari will stumble upon the truth well before that, and all of my dreams will be dashed once again. I sigh, then go to euthanize the mouse for dissection. Not my favorite part of the job, but you get used to the killing. I've got it. Tamsin puts a white rag against the mouth of a bottle of Stonemaker Vapors turns the bottle over, then expertly smothers the mouse so fast it doesn't even realize what's happened. The way she moves, so comfortable in her own skin. You can tell she's got tons of lab experience. If you don't mind me asking, why do you want to work in an unsanctioned lab? I mean, with skills like yours. Skills like mine got my last chemister killed. It was an accident, but the board didn't see it that way. They took away the things I held most dear. Tamsin holds her bare palms out. The discoloration from the amplification stones embedded into the gauntlets she'd once worn are painfully familiar to me. My heart nearly reaches for hers, but I stiffen up. Keep emotion out of it. I can't afford to hire her, even with the pittance I've advertised. Now is not the time to complicate things. Well, thank you for coming. I'll let you know about the job next week. I've got a couple more applicants to interview. Are you serious? After what I just did? Oh, it was impressive, I'll admit. But it's only fair that I- I need this job, Libet. Maybe I'm desperate, but you are too. That's why we'd make a great team. You've got the big ideas, but you need someone who's good with 
details and who knows how to game the system. Sanctions aren't the only way to get laboratory approval. I know some people who know some people. I can get your lab declared an innovative niche workshop. You know how to do that? How? Hire me and I'll tell you. You've got something special here and I want to be a part of it. Please, you won't regret it. Oh, I know I'll regret it. But you can't dangle lab approval in front of a self-proclaimed chemister and expect her not to bite. I'll take care of you. You'll take care of me. Long as my paycheck is on time, we've got no problems, right? Right. Is it League likes its oversight and its protocols? But the rules are made to be broken. Tamsin had worked wonders. The Laboratory of Elemental Metastream Dynamics and Coil Field Fractalization is now one of the labs officially recognized by the Ismundi. Yes, it's a mouthful. But Tamsin had said that the more descriptors I used, the less likely it would be for someone to scrutinize what we're actually doing. My incredible blast seeker steps into the lab and catches me admiring the place. A couple of things I need to tell you. Nothing big. If anyone comes knocking asking for a master chemistry Beckham, tell them she's away at a conference and won't be back for a week. And the official number of attendants we have is 12. Memorize their names and the errands they're out running. Each has a backstory to make them more believable. Lastly, if you're caught and interrogated, you never knew me. <laughs> Did you blackmail a member of the board to get this pushed through, or what? She doesn't laugh back. <laughs> but you, you didn't, right? I thought you were serious about your science, Libet. She stares me down. I don't dare blink. I took the liberty of putting out an ad for test subjects. They're all in the waiting room. We have a waiting room? I peek out the door into the hallway. And sure enough, three goblins and two humans are out there, sitting on wooden crates. I give them a tight-lipped smile, then duck back in the lab. You got people to actually show up? For free! I mentioned 200 zigs in the ad. 200 zigs? Each? This will work, Libet. And when it does, money will no longer be an object. I nod, her certainty reassuring me. I carefully measure and administer the serum to each of the test subjects, documenting everything. Someday, historians will want to know more about the discovery that propelled me from humble attendant to master chemister. Tamsin and I stand shoulder to shoulder, waiting nervously for the serum to kick in. My gut churns. If this works, no, when this works. I'll go directly to the board myself to give them a demonstration. Tamsin steps up to the first subject. I'm going to give you a slight shock. Please tell me if you feel any level of discomfort. As brusque as she is, she's great at putting the test subjects at ease. Even the hard edges of her facial features seem softer. The goblin nods. Kind of cute with her long, sloping nose, bright yellow eyes, and brass rings in her left ear. Tamsin picks up the spectral converter, dials it down to one, and conjures up an orb no bigger than a coat button. Gently, she urges it toward the goblin, who's shaking, 
her green skin gone ash gray. The orb hits her in the shoulder, then vanishes without note. Did you feel anything? No. She nearly jumps out of her seat. She settles, looking bashful. Sorry, this is my first time being a test subject. I'm a little nervous. You're fine. Tamsin gives her a reassuring chuckle as she sets the dial to four. Okay, I'm going to try a slightly larger shock. Please let me know if you feel any pain whatsoever. The orb is the size of a drake egg now and hits the goblin in her chest this time. No effect. A bit of a tickle, maybe? Okay, this is going to be a big one. You sure you're okay to continue? The goblin nods again with more confidence this time. Tamsin dials all the way up to eight, and as the full-sized orb nears our test subject, it's me who's shaking. The blast hits her in the head, a surge that should have knocked her unconscious, but she sits there, mouth agape. I felt something, like a tap to the forehead. Did it hurt? Tamsin offers the goblin a cup of water to calm her nerves. The goblin drinks it down rapidly, still trembling. Not a bit. This is amazing. What was in that stuff you gave us anyway? I mean, I know you can't tell me. I'm trying to get an attendant job myself. It's so competitive out there, but I'm not giving up. I'm sure you'll be on the other side of these experiments in no time. Now, if you'll have a seat back out in the waiting room, we'll finish up with the other test subjects and then get your payments processed. Sounds great. The goblin shuffles off, a lightness in her step. The other four tests go exactly the same, successes all around. For good measure, Tamsin rams five quick bursts into the last subject's chest. No response. Tamsin and I look at each other. This is it. We've done it. We have. This is perfect. Only the test subjects are all out there waiting on their money. This isn't going to be pretty. But I can tell them the paperwork still needs to be processed, and it'll take a few days. I'll hit up some early investors, and then... Leave bet! Imagine what would happen if we let them go out into the world with rift-tainted magic. It'd be traced back to the source for sure. You used to be an analyst. You know how relentless they are. Then where would that leave us? What can we do about it? Quarantine them all? For how long? If the League gets wind of the source of the rift magic, all my leverage is gone. I could kiss my career prospects goodbye. Then, slowly, slowly, I see what Tamsin is trying so hard not to say. This is still my project. I'm in charge. If an order like this is coming, it has to come from me. There's only one way we can ensure these findings don't get out. Tamsin nods. I think of the lab mice I've euthanized over the years. Hundreds. Thousands. At first it was hard. I felt awful. But I guess it became routine at some point. But we're not talking mice here, though. We're talking people. Five souls standing in between me and greatness. If I do this, if I step over this line, there's no going back. My brain whispers to me. All these horrific thoughts, and I'm listening to them. 
then entertaining them and finally agreeing with them. And those small steps have made the leap to villainhood more accessible. It will take both of us to hold them down while we press the cloths to their faces. I pick up the bottle of Stonemaker Vapor. Four doses for each test subject should be enough. Then I remember the light in the eyes of that chatty goblin girl with her own dreams and aspirations. Tamsin, I... Sorry, I... I don't know if I can do it. She seems disappointed, but not surprised. Don't worry. You don't have to. I already gave them all a hyper-concentrated dose of sleep elixir laced with an ethereal death accelerant. Tamsin carefully stacks the five empty cups and tosses them in the waste bin. They went gently, peacefully. It's not like we're complete monsters. I'm fully unprepared for how cold my heart feels in the stifling, steamy heat of the boiler pits. I'm not sure what I've gotten myself into, but I know how to get myself out. All I need is 2,000 zigs to pay Tamsin the money I owe her. Then I'll shut down the lab, have a mind mage wipe my memories, and get on with my life. My options are limited, and my time is short. But there's one way to get the money in a hurry. I scour the postings for test subjects at the Crucible, looking for the highest-paying experiments. I sign up for as many as I can and hope for the best. The first couple go without a hitch. The 20 injections down my spine barely hurt, and that minor explosion when fire and water magic had mixed. Eh, I hadn't really needed all my eyelashes anyway. The third experiment, I find myself trekking through the heart of the Simic Combine. To say that I have reservations is an understatement. Pushing the boundaries of elemental science is one thing, but tinkering with bioengineering gives me pause. It's dangerous, unnatural. But Simic Biomancers pay test subjects three times as much as Izzet Chemisters do. So, I soothe my fears by imagining the 700 zigs soon to be clanging in my pocket. Their labs make my skin crawl. Great vats of blue-green liquids, silhouettes of something moving inside with more arms and legs than anything ought to have. The amount of paperwork they make me fill out is daunting. A full medical history, a psychiatric profile, and a liability waiver requiring the contact information for my shaman in case of emergency, and a description of burial rites should the worst happen. I'm on the penultimate page of the final questionnaire when I come to a stumbling block. Have you been exposed to any regrowth helixes or irradiated enchantments in the past seven days? My hand trembles, but I mark no, even though I had a dose of each in my experiments this morning. I can't afford to skip out on this one. They administer the test, hooking me up to a half-dozen hoses and tubes, delivering their mystical potions to my veins. I immediately feel lightheaded. Are things all right? Are you okay to continue? The lead biomancer is human, but reptilian scales glisten all along his skin. His lidless eyes are as black as that spatial rift had been, and I fear I might fall right into them. I swallow my nerves and nod. Every single one of my arm hairs start to itch as simic magic transforms me from the inside out. 
The tingling sensation hits me in the marrow of my bones, and before I know it, my teeth are reshuffling, becoming jagged and ragged like a mouthful of fangs. My spine is, is twisting, growing, each vertebra lengthening, reaching out into sharpened points. And the warm brown of my skin turns an ashen gray, rough like old leather. I stare at my hands as silver-blue claws erupt from my nail beds. Something's definitely not right. You sure you haven't been exposed to regrowth helixes lately? I try to answer him, to admit that maybe I had, but there's so much froth spilling out of my mouth, I can't talk through it. Disoriented and terrified, I rip the tubes from my arms. The biomancer tries to subdue me, but I drag my claws through his lab coat, through his scaly flesh, then flee as fast as I can. I rush down the corridors, hundreds of bloated faces staring out at me from fluid-filled growth vats. The corridor opens into an atrium with a large reflection pool that casts shimmering light all around me. I feel like I'm drowning. I fight my way to the exit, gasping for breath as the air hits my face, but I don't stop running. There's only one place deserving of a monstrous wretch like me. The sewers. I cower in the deep shadows of a bridge pile, half submerged, half out of my mind. I'm so hideous, even the sewer sirens won't come near me. I think this is the end, that my life can't get any worse. But then Tamsin rounds the corner, spectral converter conjuring an orb that lights up the sewer. Shadows dissipate, and I'm seen. Liebet? Tamsin. I'm still short on your paycheck, but if you give me a little more time, I can... You know this isn't about money. Yeah, I got that feeling. Back when you told me about accidentally killing your chemister. That was a lie, wasn't it? You got me. You killed him. On purpose. There was no chemisterly bet. I was never a blast seeker. Something foreign ripples beneath her skin. And that feeling I'd had about her moving so comfortably within her own body? <laughs> All of that drains right out of my head. And I never worked in the crucible or the foundry. Too many deterrents and security measures, but small labs like yours are easy to infiltrate. And, if you time it right, you can catch a genius on the rise. You really think I'm a genius? I shake off the stroke to my ego and concentrate on what's important. You're a shapeshifter. And then I realize a demure spy. In the flesh. Her skin ripples again. At least close enough to it. Damn, and she was so good in the lab, really knew her stuff. Now, when you said genius, did, did you mean it in a literal sense or? But before I can get clarification, I catch a glimpse of something approaching us fast. Wings crack like sails bitten by storm winds. Yellow eyes burn like fire. An arc drake, sent down here to break up the fatbergs, is flying right toward us. Electricity crackles on its breath. Then I see it take a big inhale. Drake! <laughs> you think I'm really falling for that? 
The electricity within the converter pointed at me warbles a deep and menacing tone. I don't have time for fear. My mind is cycling through the electrical safety rules my sewer guide had briefly covered. Able to climb, get out in time, in the water, dive like an otter. I dive deep, hold my breath, and hope for the best. Electricity is unpredictable, indiscriminate, and a natural-born killer. It snakes through the sewer water, through me. My entire body clenches up so tight, I feel like I'm about to snap in half. Finally, when it releases, I'm overcome with a thirst so intense that I must force myself not to guzzle mouthfuls of sewer water. My heart's okay, and my brain mostly, but I don't mistake my luck for any sort of mercy. I'm struck again, oh, this time in the gut with a fist. My lungs expel the air I'm clinging to as Tamsin rams into me. Bubbles escape to the surface and I try to do the same, but she's got a hold of me, dragging me back down. I scratch and claw my way back up to the surface, and she butts her forehead into my chin, and while I'm trying to shake it off, she's conjured another orb. A mind like yours is a terrible thing to waste, but your serum is a demure discovery now. Goodbye, Libet. I don't know why, but the thought of losing credit for my discovery scares me worse than the thought of losing my life. I look down at my claws, sharp, intimidating. I'm no berserker, and until now, I didn't have a feral bone in my body. But that doesn't mean I'm going down without a fight. I lash out at Tamsin, swinging at her face. She ducks, then sends an orb straight into my stomach. I hunch forward with the pain it brings, a deep, pulsing cramp that makes the edges of my vision go white. I push past it, make another go at it. My claw scratches the skin this time, barely, drawing a line of pale green blood. Almost instantly, the wound knits back together. She dials the spectral converter two clicks past the max, then conjures a giant orb and moves it slowly toward me. This isn't working. I'm a thinker, not a fighter. If I'm going to best her, it's going to have to be with my mind. I back up as she approaches, but then something squishes behind me. A fatberg completely blocks my exit. I've got no choice, so I turn, sink a claw into the top, and then sling myself up onto the surface. I'm completely exposed, but I'm faster up here, and I'm able to duck as she fires at me. Tamsin is trying to mount the fatberg as well, but I rock back and forth, making it more difficult. She slips back under the water, and I try to make a run for it, but trip over an old welding jar. It's heavy and made of thick glass. I start looking around, surprised the reclaimers hadn't scavenged this fatberg yet. Among the usual debris and trash, I catch sight of several objects that could be useful with a little inventiveness and elbow grease. I look at the welding jar again. Only a few remnants of solder remain inside, but the jar itself can serve as a retaining bell. If I can find enough pieces, I can build a makeshift ballast to absorb the shock from Tamsin's orbs. Her head peeks up and she lobs an orb at me. It grazes my leg, which goes stiff and hurts so bad. 
I'm barely able to stand. I raise the welding jar like I'm about to throw it at her and she ducks back down under. I don't have much time. She won't fall for that twice. I shuffle over to an old trident wedged into the berg. The shaft is splintered and already plucked of its inset stones, but I can still feel the sizzle of magic working through its veins. It would make an excellent rod for my ballast. Two cracked mana coils might work as receptors. I don't think anyone's ever tried that, but I have to make do with what I've got. The solder is old, so I poke it back to life with a small jolt of crafting magic. Finally, it creeps forward, joining the bell to the trident. And just as the final piece worms its way down to the coils, I look up and see Tamsin has found her way onto the berg. I heft my ballast up to fight, but it's nowhere near ready. I point over her shoulder and my eyes go wide. Not again! I dive flat like those drills you learn as a kid to minimize your chance of getting struck by lightning when an arc drake is on the loose. Tamsin looks back over her shoulder, squinting into the darkness. And then I jump up and seize both my ballast and the moment as I take a fierce backswing, then throw my entire body into it as the welding jar makes contact with her jaw. She spins once, twice, then plunges face first into the gritty sewer water. Nice hit. Would have knocked out a human, but a shapeshifter? I'm not so sure. A proper ballast would have a canister to store the charge, but there's no way I can jury-rig something that complicated. But if the Warwick-Isley principle of microfractural gains and allowances holds true in less-than-ideal circumstances, I might have a chance if I can find something to redirect the energy. I see a piece of refuse that might work, half-buried in a mound of fatty gel. I step over and wrench it free. It's the end cap to an old boiler tank, a rusty mess on the boat outside, and the inside is misium plating painted on so thin it wouldn't be worth the effort to remove. <laughs> All those years of spit-shining furnace grates finally comes in handy, and in no time the misium gleams, providing a nice concave surface for the magic to flow across. Tamsin catches me off guard coming up from the far side of the berg, I don't have time to attach the cap, so I hold onto it for dear life. When the next blast orb comes, I meet it with my makeshift ballast. Electricity slides into the receptors, up the rod, then collects in the bowl of the cap. For a brief moment, both Tamsin and I stand there, stunned that it actually worked. But then she's barreling toward me with a vengeance, arms outstretched, another orb ready to fire. Before my charge can dissipate, I sling it at her and the blast surges forth and hits her in the chest. Her whole body lights up. The impact sends her flying in one direction and the cap goes careening in the other. I blink away the ghost images of Tamsin temporarily burned into my retinas, then see my real enemy trying with all her might to get back onto her feet. But before she can, I jam my knee into her back, pull her head up by the hair. The feral monster inside me reels, demanding revenge. But when I look down at my arms, my skin is smooth again. My nails are nice and blunt. And I realize the awful effects of the experiment have worn off. I'm back to my normal self. But I still feel changed. And I'm pretty sure I can't blame it all on Simic magic. This is my discovery. 
can't let it fall into Demir hands. I won't tell anyone, I swear. I know you won't, Tamsin. And I become like lightning. Unpredictable, powerful, merciless. All those things that make it both beautiful and deadly. Like with the mice, the decision to kill is easier this time. And as Tamsin's vertebra snap, I take comfort that she doesn't know pain for long. I step back and watch her corpse as the spells that held her human form fade away. The body lays there, a treasure for the reclaimer that will eventually happen upon her. I gather what's left of my makeshift ballast to take back to my lab. A little tinkering and I'll have two discoveries to bring before the board. And if they don't accept my findings... <laughs> the monster inside shifts beneath my skin. Together, we'll make a great team. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed what you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. Testing the Dark Waters was written by Nikki Drayden. The podcast was produced and edited by Gin Dokeshi, with sound editing by Liz Jones. This week's story featured the voice talents of Sharon Grunwald, Jacob Eccles, Monica Cruthard, Mary Paulson, and Biomancer. Voice of All is unofficial fan content, permitted under the Wizards of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyright, Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening, and y'all have a great day.